0: Well, good morning, hope you all are doing okay this morning. If you have your Bibles, I hope you have your Bible with you. Make your way to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 33 through 37 this morning. I hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July week and uh, feel all refreshed and ready to go. Um, as you can see behind me, our focus this morning is uh, to watch your language, um, words, and uh, the worship team let us in some songs of just the Word of God, singing that and letting that be poured over us, um, because that's truth, and that will always be truth. That's absolute truth, meaning it's true for all places, all people, and all times. Um, This last week, we uh, got to go up and see my family. My brother's birthday is on July 4th, so he gets... big birthday party every single year. They set off fireworks for him, and so that's very nice, but uh, we got back, and the the fridge was empty. The pantry was empty, Um, and you know that when your kids say, we don't have a whole lot of food in the house, and uh, so I ended up going grocery shopping. Usually, it's a family outing that we do, because we'll uh, go grab something to eat, and then go grocery shopping, and come back, but Jamie was with some friends down in Arkansas, and uh, The kids found out that we weren't going to get any food while we were out, so they decided they wanted to stay home. And uh, so I went out on a solo expedition to a grocery store, which is always good. Um, Now, what I do uh, for some of you wives who are cringing at men going to the grocery store is I I make a list on my phone, and I try to stick to that list as best as possible. Um, But as I arrived at my first uh, grocery store stop of three um, I do what I always do. I, I get off to the side, and I bring out the, the list, and I look over it, see what I'm going to get at this particular store. And, um, because I'm one of those shoppers, um, maybe guys can relate to this, um, I, I have an agenda when I go shopping. I don't go to browse. I don't go to look around. If I'm going to a store to buy something, I know exactly what I'm going for. I'll go straight to that spot, get it, and check out, and be done with it and go home. Um, Well, that's what I do with grocery shopping as well. I want to know exactly what I'm doing. So I'm standing off to the side by the wall. I've got my cart, and I'm looking over the list. And I don't know if you ever had that feeling where there's a a presence behind you, Um, not like the Holy Spirit, not a demon, just there's someone lingering close. It's like uh, Charlie's greatest thing because Charlie loves his personal bubble. And so I had this feeling that there was someone behind me, and so I turn around, and, and literally, like, from me to this microphone, there's an elderly woman, and let me d- define elderly. She was in her late 80s, early 90s, and she's standing there. She's just looking at me. I mean, we made eye contact, and so I, I apologized. I thought maybe I was in her way, even though I was against the wall, and so I apologize, and I try to scoot over even more to the wall, the other way, and I couldn't tell what she said in that moment. She said one of two things, and I didn't ask her. Uh, she either said, you're not in my way, or she said, get out of my way. And the reason I could not decipher what she said is because she mumbled it so quickly and so sharply. Uh, I, did, I was like, blah, 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 wait. Uh, so I apologize. That's all. the only response I knew to have was apologize again. And so I apologized. I let her get on her way. I didn't get near her, and the rest of the time I was in the store because I didn't know if she was having a bad day. Um, Her tone wasn't very nice. But it reminded me of what we were looking at this morning is the importance of words. Words matter. Words matter on what we say and even how we say them to people. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning, and you might surprise us as we're going to look at several different passages this morning that the Bible says a lot about the words we use. <clears throat> and it says a lot about how we use those words. And so that's the topic as we're looking at watch your language. And the Word of the Lord says in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 33 Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned." Now, if this passage sounds somewhat familiar, maybe we've looked at it before in this current series that we're in, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7, and you see Jesus says something very similar concerning trees and fruit and bad fruit and good fruit, and in that context of Matthew 7, he's referring to false prophets. In the context here of Matthew 12, Jesus is speaking about what we say, and this is flowing out what we looked at last week, if you happen to miss last week, beginning in verse 22 of this chapter chapter. Jesus heals a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and it caused a response by two different groups of people. There's one group of people who were amazed, and they were pondering, could Jesus be the Christ? Could he be the Messiah? And their question is, is this the son of David? This is what they're pondering. Is Jesus the long-awaited Messiah we have been waiting for? And then there's another group of people, the Pharisees, and they try to wipe out this miracle and the things that Jesus is doing. They try to uh, explain it, That Jesus is only able to do what he does because he is empowered by Satan. And so we know this is flowing from this context. Is In verse 34, Jesus calls the Pharisees a brood of vipers. It means poisonous snakes. It means something that is dangerous. A similar statement is made by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3 when the Pharisees come out to the Jordan River to see what he is doing. And he then calls them a brood of vipers. Not necessarily a way to win people over. But Jesus doesn't just want to win them over for the kingdom of God. He wants to wake them up to the kingdom of God that's right before their eyes. Again, it might surprise you. the Bible has a lot to say about the words we say. Within Scripture, there are positive statements concerning words. There are negative statements. There are lessons to be learned concerning words. There are prayers lifted up through our words and praises. And just as Jesus stated with the false prophets in Matthew 7... He makes a very similar statement here concerning words when he says, For a tree is known by its fruit. Matthew 7, he says, Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Matthew 7 deals with words and actions. Again, Matthew 12 is dealing with our words, which means the words we say here in Matthew 12. What he's teaching is the words we say actually reflect what type of person we are. More importantly, what Jesus is pointing out, it reflects what we actually have stored up in our heart. Jesus points us out in verse 34. The New Living Translation writes, verse 34 is, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Meaning the words that come out of our mouth are coming from the overflowing or the abundance that is stored up in our heart. Jesus is saying what we say and how we say it to people Is because that is what is actually in our heart and it is what flows out of our mouth and it's either going to be good, meaning beneficial, or it's going to be bad, meaning destructive. And so what we can take from this passage is when we engage in conversations with people, we can come to an understanding of what actually is in their heart, what they treasure. But then the same thing can be said about us as God's people. By the conversations we have with people, they can determine what is actually in our heart and what we treasure. They can determine whether it is something that is fruitful and something that is good or something that is careless and bad. The tree represents the person. So what kind of people we are is determined by the words that we use in conversations. And Jesus says only a good person can bring out good things or good fruit. And a bad person can only bring out bad things or bad fruit. And then Jesus hammers down the implication in verses 36 and 37 that all people, believers and unbelievers alike, on the day of judgment, when we all stand before Christ and He separates us into two different groups of people, all people are going to give an account for every careless word they've done in life. That word careless means to be empty. It means to be idle, useless, worthless. And Jesus says we will give an account for every word that we use. And then for a ray of hope in verse 37, he says, For by your words you will be justified. That word means acquitted. And by your words you will be condemned. And that word means sentence. What this should do as we look at this passage is it should make us all pause Before we speak. And this is what the Old Testament and the New Testament all teach us about concerning words. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24, we are commanded to put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk from you. The word crooked means false, and devious is almost synonymous, it means corrupt. To put it away means don't let it in you, don't let it in your heart. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Don't let lies come out of your mouth. Don't let words be deceitful that come from your tongue. In Proverbs chapter eight, verse 13, the Lord tells us that He hates perverted speech. Perverted speech is a word that deliberately means what is opposed to what is good. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse four, we're told that the words of perverted speech break the spirit. We're told in Proverbs 34, 13, to keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. That word deceit carries the same meaning as de- devious talk in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24. It means speaking lies. When we do this, when we keep our words from these sort of things, the Word of God says that is the proof that we actually fear the Lord. We actually have a reverence for Him and an awe for Him. The Bible teaches the words we use have the power to bring healing and they have the power to tell, tear down. In the book of James in the New Testament, in James chapter 1, verse 26, it says, If anyone thinks he is religious but does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. The image of bridle means that we are to hold our tongue, we are to bite our tongue, we are to watch the words that we say to people. In James chapter 3, we're told with it, speaking of our tongue and our words, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the image and likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, this should not be so. Does it spring forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And just as a point of reference, the same teaching is done in the Gospel of Luke, and Luke uses the same image that James used. He says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, and nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from bramble bush. Here's the first implication, what God is telling us. It matters what we say to people. It matters what we say to people. When I was in youth ministry many moons ago, I was teaching a lesson in Sunday school. Some of y'all don't know what Sunday school is. It's kind of like small group before service. But I was teaching a lesson in Sunday school about generosity. And so I had all these teenagers before me, and I posed a question to get into the topic we were dealing with. And I asked, if you had a million dollars, what would you do with it? Keep in mind, these are teenagers. And so many of them gave teenage-type answers. Well, I'd go buy the new video game system. I'd go buy a new car. I'd move out of my parents' house. I would eat out all the time. I would go buy some clothes. And, and so they're going through the list. I was expecting these sort of answers. And I get to the final boy, the kid, student, and I asked him the question, if you had a million dollars, what would you do with it? And he said, I would buy my parents a really nice house and pay off all of the bills. Suck up, right? (laughs) I was I was just taken back. I mean, because that's not the answer I was expecting. And I don't remember everything I said after what I initially said, but my very first word that came out of my mouth when he said, I'm gonna buy my parents a nice new house and pay off all their bills if I had a million dollars, my first response unfiltered, was, really? Really? What I did not understand is that one word. That one response with that one word came back to bite me. Parents came into my office later that week. Said, why didn't you believe our son when he answered your question? Sound like it was a good answer. And so I did what we all do when we say something unfiltered or slips out. Well, I really didn't mean that, right? But the damage had been done. That boy never came back to youth ministry. Because of one word. And the way I said it. What we say to people matters. And we can all fall into temptation that you know words really don't hold that much weight. Or, but when we come to the gospel, we come to the word of God, what Jesus points out in this passage is all of our words, all of them, reveal what's in our heart. Luck for us, God gave us an incredible prayer from the book of Psalms. So if you're here this morning and you have issues with your words, you have a language problem, hear this prayer and maybe make it your own. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, which means pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's Psalm 1914. So maybe if you have a language problem, you need to start your day with that prayer. Lord, let my words be pleasing to you. Let the things in my heart be pleasing to you, for you are my rock and my redeemer. Now, we're talking about a language problem. I'm not necessarily talking about cursing. Here's my personal conviction when it comes to cursing. I do not believe believers should be cursers. I do not believe they should be cursers. I do not believe we should swear and use certain words on certain shows to get beeped out. I remember when I was younger, again, we're going to Sunday school, and the particular lesson on that Sunday was Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. So we must have been around Easter. But in our our Sunday school material, they used the King James Version. And if you're not familiar with the King James Version, the way it refers to a donkey is not necessarily a way that you raise a child to speak. Um, Since we have children here, I won't say that. You can have that conversation. What did he mean by that? Anyway, so my friend Kurt and I... We came across this passage from the King James Version and referred to donkey in a certain way. And we thought that this is God giving us permission that we can now use this word whenever we want. And so I know for a fact on a Sunday morning before we went to worship, before we got in the Bible study, we used that word so many times there's no way it was in the context of speaking about a donkey. It did not bring glory to God. Now, if you're hearing like, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say you can't say this word, you can't say that word. I want to give you a verse as a guide. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. Now, would anyone want to confess or raise their hand that they've heard someone swear or curse And in swearing or cursing, they gave grace to somebody. I've never come across it. I've never heard it in a way that someone says, oh, thank you for that grace. Because that's not what it does. You know, even in our secular world, if a student at school were to use certain words, they would get in trouble. In our secular world, if you watch... Professional athletes, if they use a certain word directed at a a ref or an umpire, guess what happens? They get in trouble. Even our secular world understands there are certain words that do not give grace to people. Now that word corrupting talk in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29, it literally means bad words. Don't let bad words come out of your mouth. Now, when I grew up, my parents, and maybe you all can't relate to this, but my parents let me know there are certain words that are bad words that you do not use. And so they didn't say those words, but it happens when you're sitting watching a movie and you've got your young child with you and a stupid cartoon character says a certain word that you have to pause the movie or look at your child and say, we don't say that. Any parent ever done that before? Because we understand what bad words are. The word corrupting talk also means unwholesome words. The word corrupting talk means diseased words. Do not let diseased words, do not let filthy words come out of your mouth. So how many of us have ever been around somebody and say, well, they just have a filthy mouth? Or we hear about a movie and say, well, it has a lot of filthy words in it. When we say that, we're not saying the people are saying I love you and please and thank you and saying that they care a lot about people. We're saying there are corrupting words coming from that person or they're in that movie and they are not exhibiting grace. They're not uplifting. Instead, they're tearing down. The point is I believe we all understand what corrupting talk is. And the Bible specifically says, don't let that come out of your mouth. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Because why? Your words reveal your heart. Your words reveal what you've treasured in there. In Colossians chapter 4, it gives us instruction. It says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's Colossians 4.6. Returning back to the book of Proverbs, it says that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. The precise reading of that verse, because that sounds really weird, is like graved work of gold and carved work of silver is a word fitly spoken. Or better yet, a design of gold set in silver is a word fitly spoken. The meaning of the proverb is this is that when we speak graciously and we say the things at the right time, it's like something beautiful is coming from something not beautiful. In our context, it is something beautiful, something fruitful, that is coming from someone sinful. And so it's like gold and silver. It matters what we say to people. But within our context of Matthew chapter 12, we have to take it a little further, and this one may make us cringe if we haven't cringed yet. It matters what you say about people. Again, remember this statement from Jesus is coming from what the Pharisees said concerning him back in verse 24 of this chapter. The Pharisees had said that Jesus was empowered by Satan, and therefore that is what is giving him the power to cast out these demons. But verse 25 says that the Pharisees did not say this directly to Jesus, heaven forbid, but Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew what they were saying about them. In Psalm 39, verse 1, we're instructed to guard our ways so we don't sin with our tongue and to guard our mouth whenever we are around wicked people or unbelievers. But that word wicked in Psalms, chapter 39, verse 1, is actually speaking about sinful people. And here's the thing, who in here is not a sinful person? And so we are to guard our ways so we don't sin with our tongue and to guard our mouth whenever we are around all types of people because our words matter. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23, we're instructed, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Nowhere in Scripture, and I don't bring this up because this is happening here. I've, I've encountered it in other churches before, but nowhere in Scripture... When we talk about people, nowhere in Scripture does it equate gossip or gossipers with the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in Scripture will you find gossip or gossipers a fruit of the Spirit or something that glorifies the kingdom of God. According to the Word of God, it only leads to problems. And Proverbs chapter 17, verse 14 says, if you are tempted to gossip about somebody, stop it. Stop it before a quarrel breaks out, before a fight begins. We look through the New Testament, the book of Acts, and into Paul's letter. We find that Paul frequently had to deal with people who talked about him and not to him. They didn't have the nerve to say it to his face, but Paul heard the gossip. He heard the word on the street, and he had to address it frequently in his letters. See, what we say about people is important. And if we can't say something nice about a person, whether it's a politician, whether it's a group of people, a political party, an activist group, then the Bible, here's what the Bible instructs us to do. Instead of talking about them or bashing them or dragging them down, the Bible's instructions to us as God's people is instead pray for them and to praise God. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 again says that all of our speech is to be gracious. That word gracious there in Colossians 4, 6 means it's to be attractive. As God's people, all of our words are to find favor with all people. Meaning all of our words show kindness. And all of our words are show favor, even to those we disagree with. Let your speech always be gracious. This means we don't get to pick and choose who we're going to say nice things about. As God's people, our words are always to be gracious and good. Again, if we have a trouble with this, I know this is a battle of my own. It is easy to get in conversations and to begin dragging people down I disagree with. So if we have a trouble with this, make Psalm 1914 your prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. And then I also add Psalm 35:28. So you can turn your words into praises. It says, my tongue will tell of your righteousness and of your praise all day long. I mean, I'm not going to talk about people. I'm not going to bring people down. I'm going to tell of your greatness and your praise all day long. And if I'm tempted to bring somebody down, if I'm tempted to talk about somebody on their back, I'm going to get to my knees and I'm going to pray because my heart is not pleasing to you, Lord whenever you're attempting to bash somebody with our words, even if it's in a group of people that may agree with us, we need to instead turn our heart and our mind to praising and praying to God. Psalm 20, or 3730 reads, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice, because the law of God is in his heart and his steps do not slip. With all this said about the words we use, this is not saying that we cannot keep each other accountable as believers. Okay, That's part of discipline. It does not mean if we see something that another believer is doing, we can't go to them in love and bring that to attention and pray with them about that. Instead of talking, oh, I can't believe what Jason did today, you know, we, we go to them. You didn't do anything today, by the way. Probably, probably did. I didn't, you know. The point is, and, and Apostle Paul brings this out, Not only does it matter what we say to people, not only does it matter what we say about people, but it matters how we say what we say. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now we're here this morning, we believe God is good. We believe that God is also love. And so if we're not speaking in love, then we're not speaking good, and therefore we're not producing good fruit, according to Matthew 12. We are to speak the language of God to all people, which is the language of love. It matters how we say what we say. The last church I was at, there's a lady there. and I won't, Well, I can say her name. She's with our Heavenly Father today. She's uh, gone home. But have you ever been around a very blunt person? I mean, they have no filter. And their excuse is, well, I've always been like this. Well, there was an older lady that was very blunt, and her words were always very sharp. Now, I, I personally was not offended by it. I, I mean, it took me off guard the first couple of conversations we had, um, but I, I kind of got used to it, and I kind of enjoyed it, because the thing about a blunt person is when you go and ask a blunt person a question, you know they're not going to beat around the bush, Right? They're going to tell you exactly what they think and exactly how they feel about it. So there's many times I would ask her a question, and she would just look me straight in the eye as her pastor and say, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. She was just very blunt, very straightforward. But the problem was how she delivered her message drove a lot of people away from her. They didn't want to be around her. They didn't want to be in conversations with her because they couldn't figure out if she was mad at them or if she was just mad at the world. And so she drove people away from having conversation. And this was a woman who grew up in the church, who loved Jesus, who knew the Word of God, but because of the way she delivered what she delivered, no one wanted to hear it. It matters how we say what we say. And husbands, I think we can understand this if we put it in this category. So husbands, your your wife comes to you. She asks you, how do I look? You look good. Or, you look good. Which one do you think she wants? You look good. You look good. See, it matters how we say it. And wives, I think you understand that too, because if your husband or your man friend responded in such a way you were not expecting, you'd be disappointed. And so it matters how we say when we say what we say. And so since we're speaking about fruit here in Matthew chapter 12, as God's people, we are called to bear fruit of the Spirit. We're called to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. We're called to bear fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in doing so, in bearing fruit, I just want to give us a pointer. If you are sharing the gospel with someone, do not begin with this. You know, if you don't have Jesus, you're going to hell. Don't start there. There's a much better way to say it. Yes, that is true. If you do not have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are going to hell. But there's a much better way to say it. Do you know that God loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins, for your wrongdoings? And he did. And he rose again from the grave that so you could be forgiven and given eternal life into heaven. Now, which one, if you were an unbeliever, would you want to hear? See, it matters how we say it. what we say. The how is important. Now, if we need to address someone or talk to someone about something to call them back to the scriptures, then we always must do it in the process of love. And what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, if we don't do it in love, we're only making noise. One of my favorite movies in college was Dumb and Dumber. It was on TBS every night for like two weeks, and me and my roommate watched it every single night, and it was like back to back to back to back, so we were just like, oh, it's over. Oh, we can watch it again. Well, in that movie, if you've never seen the movie, it's not, I mean, it's it's just being a stupid state of mind when you watch it. Um, Jim Carrey's character is riding in the van, and he asks somebody in the van, do you want to hear the most annoying sound ever? And they go, and he does that for a while. If, If we're presenting the gospel, if we're talking to another individual, and we're not doing it in love, then we're only making the most annoying sound ever. That's what the Bible says. And so our words are important. And what we learn from verses 33 through 37, that our words reveal if we're actually a good person. Our words reveal if we're actually a godly person. That's how people can make that assessment. They hear us talk, and they are able to come to the conclusion that's a godly person. Or, what Jesus says, they hear our words and they come to the conclusion, that's an evil person. Secondly, what Jesus says is our words reveal what we've actually stored up in our heart. It reveals whether we have the words of God and the things of God in our heart or whether our heart has been storing up things of this world which is sinful and wicked and evil. Finally, Jesus tells us that our words in which we use All of them, all of them, we're going to be held accountable for. Not to the pastor, not to your parents. You're going to be held accountable to God for. Every single word that we say. Now, I don't preach this because I always say the right thing. Or always say it in the right way. I remember I was preaching one time, and Abby was younger. And she asked Jamie why is daddy always yelling? And that kind of convicted me that yeah, I can be passionate about the word of God, but if it's coming across that I'm yelling at the people of God, they probably don't hear those words in love. But here's a question we have to all answer. How has your language been? When people hear you speak, you don't tell them you're a Christian, you don't tell them you're a believer, you don't tell them you go to church, but when they hear you speak, they're able to come to the conclusion that's a godly person. That's someone who loves Jesus. That's someone who loves people. Simply by the words we use. Finally this morning, I want to speak a good word that we've sung about already when we started. It's a better word. It's what we know as the gospel and the good news. Because there may be someone here this morning that needs to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because you're still in your sin. The gospel, the word of God says that God, the Heavenly Father, creator of all things, created you for a relationship with Him. He created you for a relationship with Him. Not for a job, not to have a family, not to have kids, not to make money, not to retire. He created you for a relationship with Him. But the issue is we all have sin. We all do things we aren't proud of. We may have said some words we know we would not have uttered in this sort of place. And that's sin. That's falling short of God's holiness. But God already knows that about us. And so sometimes what we attempt to do is we say, well, I'm just going to start going to church more. I'm going to start reading my Bible more. I'm going to start praying more. We try to do all these good things to band-aid our own sin, but we can't do it. Yes, we're called to seek after God. Yes, we're called to read God's Word. and Yes, we're called to meditate on it. Yes, we're called to be with God's people at church. Yes, we're called to praise God and pray to God. But that's not to remove our sin problem because it can't. That's why Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came. He lived a perfect life. He died for the sins of all the world, for all the people. And he rose again to show that he has the power over sin and death and to be able to grant forgiveness. And that's not just forgiveness for today and in this moment when some of us are feeling like, ugh. That's forgiveness for all time, past, present, and future. And the Bible says if we believe in our heart that God would love us that much, he would come to save us and forgive us and give us eternal life. If we believe in our heart, then we have to confess it with our mouth. We have to let the words come out. And so we come to this time of invitation, and this is what I invite you to come is, is we come up and sing a song. Is If you need to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, to come and confess it with your words, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. But maybe you're here and you're like me, and I want to just tell you that when I prepare for a sermon, God convicts me long before I ever preach it. Maybe you're thinking about some of the words you used this last week that were not Gracious. And you just need to come before the Father and say you're sorry and repent. Jackson's going to lead us in a song. I want to pray over us, and I'm going to invite you to come. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us and taking care of us. Thank you for the eternal word you've given us. And Lord, thank you that you are our Father and because we know you're our Father, you convict us of things, you discipline us of things that are not pleasing to you and are not glorifying you and not allowing us to be the light and salt of this earth which you command us to be. Lord, I know there's not a person in this room who hasn't said a word that they regret. But we come before you because you are a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness and we know we can come and we can Ask you to forgive us of our debts, and you will. And help us to forgive those that we are holding a grudge against, Lord. Because we want your forgiveness, so we want to show forgiveness. And thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Let it change us. I ask your kingdom to come and your will be done as we come this time to response. I'm going to praise all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.